0: Good morning, Capital City Church. If you're glad to be here this morning, would you stand to your feet as we go into worship this morning? through the night oh God the battle belongs to you an almighty fortress oh you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our God you shine in the shadows you win every battle cause nothing can stand against the your feet i see through the night. oh god the battle belongs to you sing oh god and oh god the battle belongs to you father we just thank you this morning for who you are god we praise you we praise your name Father, may your name be lifted up in this place today. May it be known that Capital City Church is a house of prayer. Father, may your anointing fall on this service, may it fall on our worship team, may it fall on Pastor Jonathan today. And Father, we just turn this service over to you. May you have your way in our hearts. turn our eyes and fix them on you. May we sing your praises today. It's in your son's name, I pray. just want to remind you that this, these altars are always open. If you need to, to pray, we want you to feel free to, to do that. Others will come with you and they'll come pray for you. We just believe that God's going to do a mighty thing today. Amen? Amen. Let's keep minding it.
1: song that's always been me. All glory and honor, dominion and power to you. A million angels fall, face down on the floor. All to echo, holy is the Lord. The throne of grace,
2: majesty
1: before my eyes. Let it take my breath away. A million angels fall, face down on the floor, all to echo, holy is the
2: my heart can't help
1: we start this next song, there's a verse I'd like to share, and this comes from Mark 2. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, the wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost as well as the skins. No new wine is put into fresh wineskins. The story here is that the Pharisees and John's disciples, they were very adamant about preserving law preserving tradition. And then here comes the Son of God not really following law and tradition. And they're trying to correct him. But Jesus says, surely the groom is here. In other words, the Son of God is here with you. Why are you so concerned about fasting? Fast when I'm no longer here. And I think if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. We can get hung up on our tradition, our way of doing things, the way that we've always done things, and we can get so wrapped up in that that we could miss the new thing that God is trying to do right in front of us. I don't want to miss that new thing. So this song is a prayer just that God would just make us whatever we need to be for his purposes. Because church, the groom is with us. The groom is in front of us and he is doing great things. Let us not miss it.
3: For your oh eyes that surrendered, you were making me proud, so we yield to you until you're careful, and when I trust you. But all you have given me, Jesus, bring you out of me. In the crushing, in the pressing, you For are me. making.
1: how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch treasure. to as wounds which mar the chosen one, bring many sons to go. i e No power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ,
2: his death, there is resurrection.
4: Oh, I think Colton did well when he said, how can we fast when he's among us? Church, we don't want to miss his presence. We don't want to get caught up on tradition. We don't want to get caught up on method. I miss the very one who died for our sins, who bore the weight of our sins on the cross so many years ago. Uh, So glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, My name is Pastor Jonathan. If you're new to our church or if you haven't been here in a while, we're so glad that you're here. We pray that you'll make yourself at home. And uh, if you get a chance, on our bulletin there's a QR code. You can fill out a connection card or we have physical copies of it at our Welcome Center as well. Um, We'd love to get connected with you and know more about you. I don't normally carry a backpack when I preach, and this weighs about 70 pounds right now. Uh, So we've got a little illustration we're we're going to start with this morning. We're going to continue in our series entitled The Call. Last week we talked about what it means to know that we're called, what we can be assured of when we know that we're called. We were in the beginning of Isaiah chapter 43 last week when we talked about knowing what, what we're what we're entitled to, what we're gifted to by the Father when we know that we're called. And we're going to be back in Isaiah 43 this week uh, in verse 18. We'll be there in just a couple minutes after I show you what's in my backpack. Um, but this week, the title is Go. Go. When we've been called, we're called to go. Um, and, and so my backpack represents... Um, things we might carry with us things we might carry with us along the way Um, not if we were going to go on a trip but maybe in this life I have some different things that represent different ideas that we all carry with us and uh, I was asked at first when I asked for a trash can on stage if if they thought I was going to get sick and They said they'd be ready to cut the stream, which I appreciate, but that's not the plan this morning. Um, But I have a handful of things. I just, throughout the week, God led me to this message, and if if you'll allow me, I'm just going to do them in the order that I take out of the bag. I I probably would have done them more strategically, but the more I put in the bag, the more uh, I recognize they had to be put in there in a certain way in order for everything to fit. Um, So I've just, I've got a handful of things. As I was putting together this message, I just asked God what do we carry around with us? And so um, that's the first thing we all physically carry around with us all the time. The other day I left, my, left the house. I didn't know where my cell phone was, and I, I left, and uh, I ran Ben to school. That's about a 15-minute round trip, and came back home, and then I was going to leave for the day, come over here. And to be honest, I enjoyed the 15 minutes without my phone so much, I almost didn't look for it before I came into the office and thought if they need me, they can find me at the church. But I put my cell phone in my bag to represent the fact, uh, and this is something I recently read. Today, for our, our illustration, the cell phone is going to represent the place where we go to manufacture or receive attention. That's why you're connected to it. So you can produce things that will bring you attention or check things that will give you attention or approval. This is a dumbbell. Some of you don't care about this, and that's okay. (laughs) Um, But believe it or not, there's some people that love to work out so much that they think about it more than they think about the things of God. They care about their physical appearance over their spiritual appearance or how God sees them. That might be something that needs to be left behind. hoping I don't throw anything on my cell phone as I do this. Here's a manual for writers. I brought this to represent an education. That's something important, right? You've got to put your title. Uh, if you've got education, you've got to put your title and your email address to make sure everybody knows how much school you took. I'm beginning to become ashamed of how much school that I've taken, or at least how long I've taken to do it. This is somewhat of a monument or an award of something that maybe I achieved along the way. I really wanted to bring one. It didn't fit in the bag. I really wanted to bring one of Jesus just to show you that even if the statue is of Jesus, he still might want you to forget about it. pretty sure he doesn't even want you to have a statue of him. Here's a hymnal. This represents the ways that we worship. And by the way, for everybody that struggles to go from traditional to contemporary, it's going to change again. This music won't work 10 years from now. Everybody gets that, right? But it's a method. It's not the end. It's not the spirit. We might have to leave the way we worship God behind. What else do we have? Oh, boy. I prayed about this one. This is a hobby. These are golf balls. Before you can move forward with God, you might have to check a hobby and, and think about the time or money that you've spent invested in that. It's not a stupid game. I, can't, I don't know who said that, but that wasn't very nice. <laughs> I, I can hear you, but I can't see you, so. Oh, here's the last one. It was buried in the bottom, probably because it's the last one that we want to deal with. It's a wallet. Are concerned about our finances. Someone once said that if the determining factor between whether or not you make a decision is financially driven, that your motives are completely off. And, and, and let's be real with ourselves. I would say when I counsel people, when they talk to me about where God's leading me, it's money, 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 money. What about the pay? How's he going to take care of me? Where's it going to be? Finances. Oh, here we go. I guess I did have, oh, I have a couple more. Laptop, just thought that could be your career. You know, I've got my whole career in this laptop, all my notes, everything that I would need to do my job. You get why I'm putting that down gently, right? I'm not going to throw away a $1,500 laptop. Um, Oh, and here's the calendar that's hanging in our house. It's It's an ocean wildlife calendar. I think Didn't Cheryl give us this? Cheryl Street, you came through. We needed a wall calendar for the year. I don't know that she's here, but, you know, just your schedule. I'm busy that day. I'm busy that month. I've got plans. God, I've got to finish something else before I get there. The familiar passage from the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to lay aside the sin and the weight that slows us down. So most of us are cool with understanding that sin holds us up, but weight can come from so many different areas of life. If we were to head off on a journey in the physical and we intended to go any distance, having less in the backpack would be part of the thought process. Most of you wouldn't want to go run a mile with a pack like this on your back that's something Kara might make you do in the summer with uh, during boot camp and you wouldn't like her for that when we travel lighter we're we're less likely to get robbed we can move more quickly and if we set up camp along the way we could pack up with little delay I always think about uh, cars that I've seen along the way where I've driven or when I've parked by them and all the windows are down and you can tell the doors are unlocked. They're saying, I really don't care if you take it. It doesn't have that much value to me. Anything in it, you can have as well. I wonder what we are currently carrying that we would struggle to let go. Ultimately, none of us should have anything we can't willingly lay aside to answer the call for God. Let's look at our text in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. If you'll remember from last week, we have God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and he says, do not call to mind the former things or consider the things of the past. Behold, I am going to do something new. Now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers, in the desert. I titled the whole sermon, Go. Just two letters. Go. I wonder what we think about when we think about the word go. It, it the, Probably the most frequent time that I hear it in my life is when my kids are in the car and we're at a red light and I don't notice that the, the light turned green. Do you know what I'm talking about? Dad, go! We hear go when we get in someone else's way. We hear go maybe at the beginning of a race. We But if you think about it, as as we really move through this life, I, I wonder how frequently we actually hear the word from other people in the sense of I wonder how many people believe that they're actually even going to be able to provoke us to action. Go, it's the opposite of stay. Go's the opposite of the word stay or to sit, right? If we told a dog to sit or heal, we wouldn't expect them to move. We'd want them to stop go implies action when we hear go I wonder what stops us from going a lot of it might have been the things that I just emptied out of my backpack but the first thing that stops us when we're told to go is that we are comfortable where we are we're comfortable where we are and so going first and foremost this morning requires letting go going requires letting go Our passage today starts off by saying, do not call to mind the former things or consider the things of the past. We often talk about tradition, and tradition is an important thing. But tradition means that we protect the fire, not preserve the ashes. God isn't asking his people to forget how he has provided for them, but he's asking them to resist living in the past. Everybody remember when he parted the Red Sea the second time? Anybody remember when he caused the walls of Jericho to fall again? You guys get the joke, right? God isn't asking his people to forget how he provided for them. He is telling them to stop expecting him to use the same methods to produce new results. God is asking them to avoid looking over their shoulder so much that they can't see where they are going. When we are constantly looking behind us or being comfortable in our current situation, we can't clearly see the new thing and new method through which God is trying to work because we are looking for him to work in old ways rather than new. In so many words, God is saying, my people, please stop living in the past remember it, celebrate it, but know that I am at work again in a new and a fresh way. I wouldn't be here this morning if I didn't believe God was going to do something new and if he was going to do, wasn't going to do it in a fresh way. He is saying to the people, I am about to do something, like you've never seen before. So guess what? I know this is going to sound like I'm pandering you here a little bit. If God's going to do something that you've never seen before, do you understand that you're not going to see it coming? We keep trying to put him in a box. We keep trying to expect him to move in the ways that he has before. I think God would even go so far as to say, I'm already at work. Can't you see my work all around you? When church or Christianity becomes difficult, sometimes we catch ourselves longing for the good old days. And, and, you know, we hear pastors preach this stuff when they're talking about moving from the tradition to the contemporary. But I'll tell you what. um, As I talk to people at different stages of life and maturity, I think all of us long for bodies that worked the way they did 10 and 20 and 30 years ago. We love the way that ice cream didn't stick to our bodies, and I don't mean on the outside when we spill it on us. <laughs> it's so easy to want to live and believe that things can be the way that they are, but we're deceiving ourselves. We need to hear Isaiah shouting to us from across the centuries, God is doing amazing things, but going back is never going to be God's plan. God has more things and new things that he's already doing. And we need to stop dwelling on what it was. And as good as it may have been, we need to start dreaming God-sized dreams for the days ahead. I do believe he can do it again. But the wall's going to look different. The sea's going to look different. The method's going to look different. I told somebody this week, Jesus was so interested in making sure that they didn't get hung up on the method that when he came to one blind man, he goes, hey guys, watch this. I'll really throw him off. Hey, there's some mud. We'll just use that to heal this week. People have always seemed to want to be settled and secure rather than to adventure and launch into the depths of life. Honestly, people, I look at some of you and I just want to say, aren't you bored out of your gourd? I really didn't mean to rhyme that. That's horrible. (laughs) Don't you just get tired of the mundane? How many more times can you binge watch that show? How many more times can you go to that same pizza place and play the same card games with the same people? I'll tell you what, there's some people that you've led to the Lord 50 or 60 or 70 times and you've got neighbors that want to hear about it for the first time. We like to be comfortable. But I do believe, and maybe this morning there will be a spark, I believe that in all of you, there is a longing for adventure. There's a feeling that we're being called to something or by someone to what is far greater and better than what we've ever experienced. That's what I love to tell people about God when I'm explaining what it means to follow him. Give me the best feeling you've ever had and I'll show you something greater. Because he's greater than anything that we could experience. Life I believe is meant to be an adventure. And when we cease to reach out, when we cease to stretch ourselves, something inside of us dies and we feel frustrated. And some of us have just been okay with being in that dead place in our lives. Too often we find ourselves clinging to only what we can see now and we fail to discover the treasures that God is offering to us in this day. I wonder what was in your backpack today. Anything come to mind? It is our job as Christians to submit our awareness of our finances, our certain comforts, and familiar surroundings to the hopes of the creator of the universe. He is aware of all those things, and he has greater plans for every area and every issue of your life that, are, that will far exceed any thought that you've ever had. In our moments of fear and insecurity, we may be tempted to hold on to what was once safe and secure, but the mature Christian knows that the future does not reside in the old. It belongs rather to bold, faithful thought that evokes bold, faithful action. Bold, faithful thought that evokes bold, faithful action. Some of you don't even dream big enough to do anything. Some of you can't even wrap your around, my, minds around the thought, much less the action. Going requires letting go. Then going requires an, an increased awareness, an awareness of God's voice, an awareness of God's word, an awareness of spiritual matters in general. If you're not aware of this, we read the Bible too much from an inward or an egocentric focus. Did you know that that Bible was written to people in community going through differing challenges and a different time and with, with a, a different perspective on life and not knowing where their next meal was going to come from and maybe not knowing if people were going to come and burn their house down the next I, Anybody reading the Bible from that perspective today? I'm afraid too many of us open our Bible and say, God, just give me something to get through Monday. We read the scripture looking for a plan for our life or advice for our situation and we miss God's bigger picture. Our text today says, I am doing something new. He poses the question as to say, will you not be aware what he's actually, he's really given an imperative there saying, you have to be aware of this. It's too big to miss. We read a scripture like this And what we do is we make it about the new thing we think God is going to do in us when it's actually our job to recognize the new thing that he is already doing and discover where he wants us to be positioned in the new thing. Let me let you into the office of a pastor a little bit this morning. Pastor, I love all the new things that we're doing. By that, what God's doing. That's what they mean. It's not me. It's not you. I see. I love see God's move. But I'm not able to do my old thing anymore. When new things start happening, I, I, I'm not needed for the old thing anymore. Well, We might not even do the old thing anymore. Because God's starting something new. He might use someone else to do it. I want to work in you in a new way. So pay attention now if this is your frustration. If you're in the church and say, I've been passed over. I've been forgotten. I don't think... That they want to use me for the old thing anymore, you're absolutely right because God has a new thing for you. Amen. You don't want to keep doing the old thing the rest of your life. That's how you become old. Amen. I love that Nan's teaching a class. Where's Nan? Remind me of the title. I, I can hear you. <laughs> How, how to age without getting older. Hey, the way you stay young, the way you stay plugged in is to be involved in God's new thing. Nobody got younger by staying focused on the old things and the past. They got younger and healthier and more vibrant as they continued to stay up with the times. And I'm not talking about what's up in culture. I'm talking about the new thing that God is doing. It's our job to recognize what he's already doing. I'm afraid that sometimes what happens, because I I think if I'm going to tell you to do that, I have to help you do it a little bit. Oftentimes we try to associate God's voice or movement to negative or positive circumstances. You know what I mean? I'm going to do this for God. Well, something really good happened to me. That must mean he wants me to do it. Something really bad happened to me. That must mean he doesn't want me to do it and I guess all the sin nature of the world and everything else that's against you and natural causes and all those things, right? Some of you are looking for an excuse to get out of that thing God's calling you to do. God calls you on a Sunday and it rains on a Monday, so you must not be able to move forward with God. We see God be a God of big gestures, but more prominently we don't see him be a God of big gestures. Listen to this thought from First Kings. First Kings 19, the prophet Elijah was ready to kill himself. I am very keenly aware of the fact that during COVID a lot of people wanted to kill themselves. I'm a pastor. I had people in my office. I read the statistics. I saw the suicide rates. I know it's a real thing. People lose hope. This was the man of God. The Bible's written to help us understand that there are people that dealt with what we're dealing with, and there is an answer. For that issue yes, good, good. elijah was the man of god he had just defeated 430 prophets of baal if you don't know the story i'll give it to you here real quickly elijah challenged 430 prophets of baal one that opposed god and they were both going to try to call fire down from heaven and the 430 prophets yelled and screamed and threw a fit for hours and hours and nothing happened and then Elijah built an altar and soaked it with water so that there was no way that it could catch on fire. And then he prayed, God of Israel, let it be known today that you are God. I pray that you'll answer my prayer and you'll let fire fall from heaven. And it came down and it ate up the, the firefall from heaven and sucked up the, the water and, and the sacrifice. And all of the prophets of Baal were defeated and killed that day. And a few days later, I, a few days later Elijah just said, I wish I were dead. I wish I were dead. But I think something was in his training. And, and where you are this morning, Sunday morning, you're you're in training. You're in your Christian training this morning. He had a desire to hear from the Lord. Maybe he knew that would make the difference. And so he stood on a mountain. And first Kings nineteen, eleven and twelve says that a great and powerful wind was tearing out the mountains and breaking up the rocks and pieces but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire a sound of gentle blowing God wasn't in the whirlwind he wasn't in the earthquake he wasn't in the fire but in a gentle whisper he came and spoke to Elijah let me tell you this morning what I think is so cool about God's whisper. I'm going to teach a class next semester um, here in our Thrive groups called Whisper, How to Hear the Voice of God. And I'm going to let s- like six or seven of you take it with me. So, bribes, chocolate, that kind of thing, that'll work. B- Betty, you're already, Betty got me Valentine's gift today, so she's already one in the running there. Um, everybody can see an earthquake, right? We say we want to see these big things happen. Everybody can see an earthquake, Everybody can see a whirlwind. Everybody can see a fire. But when the creator of the universe whispers your name, that's just for you. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. He's right there wanting to speak to you. He has a word for you today. He wasn't in the whirlwind, not the earthquake or the fire, but in a gentle whisper, he spoke to Elijah. To be more aware of God, this is important. Studies have shown this. To be more aware of one thing, I have to be less aware of other things. I would challenge you. Jacob, Jacob shared a great stat two, three weeks ago. He said, every person in America reads an hour and a half a day. And as soon as he said it again, Jacob, that's wrong. You never do that when a preacher's preaching, right? I didn't say it out loud. Because I know that people don't open a book for an hour and a half a day. But then he clarified from every source they read it. Let me explain something to you about the mind and memory and how we retain things and what informs our thinking and our decision making. Reading your Bible for 10 minutes, when you spend an hour and a half or two hours or three hours on social media, you, the Bible in you will be consumed by those things. It will be cons- if you need to spend an hour on social media today, uh, today, you need to spend two hours in the Word of God. By the way, if you ever get to two hours in the Word of God today, you'll spend zero minutes in social media. I'll quit preaching it one day, but probably not. To be more aware of God, we need to decrease our awareness of so much other noise. I want to hear the voice of God. I don't, honestly, I I mean, God bless you, I love you, I try to stay up, but I don't know much about what's going on in the news, I don't know about much what's going on on the other side of the world, because my neighbor needs to know Jesus and there's people that are going to walk into this place today that need to hear the gospel message, and I need to spend time with them, and I'm only one person, and I'm not Superman, and I'm not the savior of the universe, but I like to be attached to so much bigger things because we don't like our story, so we attach ourselves to other people's bigger stories. That's why we gossip, by the way. Our life is empty. Our life is void, so we speak about others' lives who we wish we were like, who we wish we could be a part of, And we speak about it negatively because we can't handle the fact that our story is not that big. The answer to that is to be connected to God's story, to be connected to the new thing that he's doing doing in and through you. God needs you to be present in your present situation and quiet long enough to let him talk. If you live long enough Pray earnestly and keep your focus on the imperishable word of God. You can be spared the slavery to every new story and every new video and every new method. If any of you want a new way, if you've tried every other way to lose weight and you haven't figured it out yet, come and talk to me because I have one that will work just as good as the other ways that didn't work either. That's what we tie our boats to, isn't it, though? We just keep tying ourselves on to whatever the new idea is. Maybe this time it will work. But if we're connected to God's story, His new thing, we won't be constantly distracted by every new thing when we're consistently looking for God's new thing that He's speaking to those who will give Him their attention. At all times, God calls us to be fully alive and fully alert to His voice and His call. Going requires that we trust Him with the unseen. Going requires that we trust Him with the unseen. Trusting God with the unseen means to put ourselves at His mercy. But we have to realize that in reality, we are at the mercy of God every moment of our existence. But to intentionally put our trust in the mercy of God is to express what we feel about His nature. We can venture into new callings because we have a Father who loves us and cares for us and will not let us go. If we will make the will of God our goal, we will be called to adventure after adventure after adventure. My latest adventure is to be the pastor at Capital City Church, and it's my favorite one so far. It's better than the last one, and the last one was better before that. Because he takes us and calls us deeper and deeper still. We won't necessarily be saved from the troubles of this world, but we will know who goes with us and cares for us because God does not leave us. What ends up happening is we have to adjust to new normals. And we like our normals, but we don't like new normals. We like counting on our morning cup of coffee our favorite restaurant, or our TV show. Thank God for smart TVs and apps this week because I remember as a child how much my TV programming was upset by the State of the Union address that they put on every single channel. They were messing up TGIF. They wouldn't dare do that. The ratings were too good, right? When someone messes with our normals, it's just not normal. But the call today is a call away from your current normal. Not just talking geographically, we'll talk a little bit about how he calls us here in just a second. Where there is no call, there is no adventure. If we need to know where we are going, what we are doing, and who we will be meeting along the way, we run the risk of life becoming tedious and of being bored. Beyond that, our faith, catch this this morning, church, our faith in God grows weaker as our dependency on our own resources and accommodations keep us caged inside the boundaries of small dreams and lesser victories. I'm going to run through that one again just in case anybody missed it. Our faith is weakened as our dependency on our own resources and accommodations keep us caged inside the boundaries of small dreams and lesser victories. Talked a lot about going so far this morning. There are two times I distinctly remember Jesus saying stay in the scripture. He talked about staying to pray and keep watch in the garden of Gethsemane. He told the guys to stay behind and pray and keep watch. He told the disciples to stay in the upper room until they were visited by the Holy Spirit. There are times of staying. But times of staying should be filled with prayer prayer and seeking the Holy Spirit. If you're, if you're struggling to figure out where you're supposed to go or how you're supposed to go, you can't sit around and just wait for something to happen. In those times of staying, we stay in prayer, and we stay in seeking the Spirit. But aside from that, we should be moving forward in whatever our respective go is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel that is on the move. Jesus didn't even stay around for audiences. Do you ever catch that? I just read that yesterday in Mark chapter 1. Jesus went out to pray after he had been preaching to a bunch of people. And the disciples came and looked for him and said, hey, everybody sees you. What should we do? He goes, hey, let's just go to the next town. He wasn't worried about staying in a place where the gospel had already been preached. He knew that he had a mission to show himself to different people in a specific season so that the work of the Father could be completed. If you aren't seeing God move where you are, maybe he wants to move you to where he can do a new thing in you. What kind of move could this be? Let me, let me just give you a few real quickly here before the team comes up. Your go might be a career move. Jesus told Peter and Andrew to leave their boats and come fish for men with him. Your go might be a family move. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. You go preach the gospel. Your go might be a financial move. Jesus told the rich young ruler, go and sell everything you have. Your go might be a move of discomfort. Someone said they would go with Jesus and Jesus said, I don't even have a bed to sleep or a house to live in. Your go might be a move of reconciliation. Jesus said before you pray, go and reconcile with your brother. Your go might be a move of repentance this morning. Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. What go do you need to hear from Jesus Christ this morning? What is the Spirit speaking to you? What go needs to take place wherever you are? He's ready to meet you there with a new action plan for your life. He said go. And even in our passage today, the Lord said, I am going to do a new thing. Will you not see it? I'm going to invite the team, and as they come today, I'll just remind you that we have to quit expecting God to do new things with old methods. He can start revivals with new songs. He can answer prayers at different altars. And he can send his spirit to us a thousand different ways. He never wanted us to be attached to the method. He wanted us to be attentive to the messenger the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. If we are afraid to venture out when God says go, we will never enter into the fullness of life. If we are afraid of death, we will never live life to the fullest. If we avoid the deep things of the world, we will not be able to talk of the depth and mystery and the wonder of God if we have never ran out of strength or energy in pleasing Him, if we have never come to the end of our own resources and our ability to cope, we do not know what we are talking about when we speak of a Savior. Some of you know that Jesus found you at your lowest moment, and that's why you call Him Savior. That's why He said, To whom much is forgiven, much will lo- they will love much, and they will understand who I am and what I am doing. For most of us, it's not a lack of vision that holds us back. We all want to do great things for God. I believe that about every single one of you. It's not about a lack of resources. I know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and I've I've seen him resource things in ways that you'll never begin to understand. It's our own will. It's us. It's a lack of surrender. It is not that we make a choice to do something else. It's that we fail to choose to do anything else at all. We don't need to fear that we will fail or come up short by seeking his will. Because in him, life is ever moving and expanding. If you start off in the new thing, and I can tell you testimony after testimony after testimony in my own life. Every time God put a new giant in my way, He gave me another set of rocks. He made another wall fall. He made another ocean part. And the more that I followed Him, we we sing, we sing. The longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. That's only if you continue to follow Him. He doesn't get sweeter if you stop, if you become stagnant. If you want to continue to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that grows sweeter and richer, you have to continue to say yes. You have to continue to throw those things behind you, forget the former things, and see the new thing that he's doing. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, and I'm going to ask you to answer the call to go by answering the call to come and pray. Come and pray. Ask God if you are to make a career move. Ask God if you are to make a family move. Ask God if you are to make a financial move. Ask God if you are to make an uncomfortable move. Ask God if you are supposed to make a move of reconciliation or a move of a repentance, a, a move towards a relationship with Him, a move towards baptism, a move towards new life in Him. The call of God demands a response from us. You either come and pray today and say, I will go where he leads me, I will follow, or you say no to the creator of the universe. The call of God demands a response of us. If we have any vision at all, it demands a reaction. Audrey's going to lead us again in the song New Wine. The song says, I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Are we living in the reality that we have nothing without him, church? It all belongs to him. We get so full of ourselves, maybe you're better than me, maybe you don't do that. Get so wrapped up in what God's plan is for my life, I want my life to be a part of his plan. What if we got focused on his plan instead of our plan? I'll bet that God wants to do a lot more than what he can accomplish through Jonathan Barker, through Colton Duteal, through Jeremy Davis, God wants to do a new thing. He is doing a new thing. Will you not see it? Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, give us eyes to see the new things that you are doing around, in, and through us right now. Help me to go where you say to go. And if I'm where you want me to be, God, I believe there's people here that are exactly where they should be. I pray that you help them stay grounded in prayer and ever seeking a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit so I can see where you are moving us, God. I want to know where we need to move next. And I want to take my position in your plan. Church, if that would be our prayer this morning, revival would break out right here at Cap City. But it means surrender. It means obedience in every heart confessing sin, entering into relationship with him, asking God what the next thing is he needs you to do and the new thing that he's already doing. Come and pray this morning as they sing.
3: you are making you wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking But all you have given me, Jesus, bring you wine out of me. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making me wine. In the soil. Jesus has been your wine, I'm me. Jesus has been your wine,
4: I'm on me. It can be difficult sometimes to know how to pray. mentioned two times Jesus talked about staying and when he was in Gethsemane I don't remember him telling them what prayer to pray but I'm sure that when he told them to wait in the upper room he told them to pray for the Holy Spirit to fall upon them in my life and my networks in different areas I've just noticed that people are talking a lot more about the Holy Spirit these days and maybe I just wasn't as in tune as I needed to be I don't know You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God above all other things you might say I don't know what that means you might not know what it means and that's why you need it you need to be filled with the Spirit of God it changes everything it gives you courage to get through the difficult times it gives you meaning and a sense of purpose he's got great plans for you church. We need new pastors. We need new missionaries. We need new teachers. We need people to minister, to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And to do that, they need to be filled. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Where there is new wine, there is new power. You have access to that power. If you're at a place, listen to this this morning, if you're at a place where you think you're incapable, if you don't think that you have what it takes to serve him, you're right about where he wants you to begin to use you today. That's right about where he can say, since you've come to the end of yourself, I can begin my work. Let him do that new thing in you and through you this morning. I don't have anything planned, but I think I have long enough friendship to maybe say, Colton, could we just stay in his presence for a few more minutes this morning? Would that be okay? Let's worship him together.
1: Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence, you my comfort
4: found yourself looking for god in the whirlwind or the earthquake or the fire i encourage you this week to nurture the holy spirit's presence that you've experienced here today in times of quietness before the lord psalm 46 says to be still and know that he is god value the whisper of his voice as he speaks your name and calls you out to that thing that he has planned for you, to, that he gives you insight to the new thing that he's doing. I know we go to jobs, we go to school, we leave here and go to our different places, but nurture the presence of God in your life throughout this week so that we can come back here next Sunday and pick up right where we left off. It's such a big deal. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we're thankful for your presence. God, we know that where you are, there is power. God, I believe that when your presence is near, that things are healed, people are called, that the atmosphere literally changes, God, all around us. So God, help us to embrace this this morning. Help us to take it with us to nurture the presence of the Spirit of God. Help us to practice being in the presence of God. Help us to to remove a distraction this week, Lord, only for a week so that we can make sure we stay in front of you, experiencing the new thing that you're doing. Lord, we know you're the God of revival. I pray that we would be accepting recipients of the revival spirit that you want to send this way, Lord, as we confess sin. As we move forward in reconciliation, as we lay down those things that you have told us are now part of our past. We bless your name today. I pray that we've made much of you today, God, and that we'll continue to do so as we go out of this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just a moment. I have a couple things we want to share with you. Uh, I'm going to start with Scott and Tara. Um, Scott and Tara children's directors are up are headed up this way um, and they're gonna yeah I'm always okay with you giving, uh giving them a hand for the work 54 kids in children's church next week so if you don't know where you're supposed to go you're supposed to go volunteer for children's ministry I think um, but we've been taking a quarterly kid power offering um, that goes for missions and it's something above our tithes and offerings we collected this a couple weeks ago and just want to give Scott and Tara, I think they've got you on that right there, uh, give you a quick report about uh, what you did a couple weeks ago.
5: Thank you sir. Good morning church. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good, morning? good. Good. I just want to answer pastor's question. He mentioned something about raising up leaders and teachers. They're coming. Yeah. They're coming. Yeah. Amen. All right. So we're just going to give an update um, on our missions collections with the kids that are hanging out at the door. Um, Every three months or so, if you're new, that's what we've been. That's what we've started is we've been collecting for missions. And if you ask any child back there, they'll tell you what if you ask them, what is missions? They'll say it's to collect money for those to go around the world and tell them about Jesus, Hmm. which is fantastic. So last October, um, we collected a total of five hundred and seven and seventy seven, five hundred seven dollars and seventy seven cents. That was boys and girls together. So that was that was fantastic. Um, and it was a great start. They were so excited. And at that point, the girls had collected more than the boys, so the girls had won. So they had a nice little cake party. They were excited about that. So that competition ran over into this last two weeks. So, this last two weeks, um, I want to go ahead and let you know that the boys won this time. <laughs> but more importantly, is your generosity, your giving. Uh, for, the, for the kids that are back there um, that are serving, that are coming here and that we have seen grown um, since heading back there. Just the, the love for, for Jesus um, is just, it's, it's, it's busting the seams back there, which is fantastic. And uh, we, we were, we were uh, our lesson today, I know this is a little off, our lesson today was about love. Um, so we were asking what love was and I had a little um, cut out of a heart. And I asked what, what the heart means, and they said love, and, you know, different things. And then somebody raised their hand and said, because um, I asked what the heart was for, and they said, um, it's for life. And I thought, hmm, let's go ahead and take that a little step further. Okay, what, life, what do you mean by life? Well, Jesus gives us life. I thought, boom, there it is right there. I mean, there, there's the lesson today, kids. It's mm-hmm. time to go. But, yeah. but that, that was fantastic. It just, that just know that they're, they're, they're taking in everything and, and, and. Learning things that are just fantastic. God has His hand all over this church, and definitely all over that kids ministry. So, um, back to the amounts of the two weeks ago when we collected at the doors. um, Like I said, the boys won. Um, The girls collected alone three hundred and eighty-seven dollars and sixty-two cents. The boys collected five hundred and thirty-four dollars and eighty-three cents. That was fantastic. That total in itself was $922.45. Yeah. Which is amazing. The two times we've done it, I totaled those up. Uh, the, the total so far, uh, $1,430.22. Yeah, great. Great work. Awesome. Thank you.
4: Of course, that's such a big deal. And if, if you're part of our church and you grow, you'll you'll find out we have a missions conference every year and you'll you'll get to hear more about how that's part of a bigger story, right? Being connected to God's story. If you want to be connected to a story, be connected to God's story. Um, but when you, we get to our, our missions conference uh, here in the summer, you'll hear about what that money does and how other churches are taking up similar offerings. And uh, I'm so thankful for the leadership of, um, uh, In missions for our denomination and here in this church um, and the work that Scott and Tara are doing every week I get hit up by my kids. Hey, I need money for missions Um, And so I love that that they've put an emphasis on that Um, While we're just on the subject of money just a reminder, especially if you haven't been here in a few weeks um, We've quit passing uh, plates. We have uh, black boxes that are in various places There's four or five of them throughout the sanctuary Um, So you can give there and as always you can give online Through the website or via cash app um, and and we'll manage that all best we can i I know for some of you i I love for you to have confidence in giving so please we don't know if you run into an issue unless you let us know so please don't hesitate to send an email to the office if through the transition of changing things like that just help us as you know there's always some kinks to work out and we want to make sure we take care of your money because we want to make sure it's all invested in the kingdom here and we can keep doing what god wants us to do here at cap city church One, uh, just a little bit more of a a somber note as we leave today, Um, at this point, most of you I'm sure know, and and I would hope all do, but um, Malcolm White, who's our head trustee, passed away last Saturday morning, so eight days ago, and there will be a service for Malcolm here this Saturday, this Saturday coming up, the 18th at 10 a.m. Cindy asked me to extend that invitation to all of you if you would like to attend um, I think it'd be appropriate if you would feel um, an interest in helping out um, with setup for any of that. You could see Pastor Ed. We never mind having people to help, help move around chairs and tables and, and just different things that need to be done, um, but that'll be here at 10 in the morning, um, and there there is a time that's going to be planned to have some fellowship and some light refreshments afterwards as well, so um, I know it'd, it'd mean a lot to the family, um, and, to our, and to if you were able to make it next week, understand if you can't, um, but... For those of you that knew Malcolm, you know he played a big part in God's new thing. He was always about God's new thing, and I was thankful for, for what he is and uh, the testimony that he left behind, the example he left us to follow. So that's, that's the way we want to leave this world, as someone that we can follow into this next life, knowing that we've been faithful to the call and here, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let me just pray out and uh, go and take the Spirit of God with you. Father, we're thankful today for your presence Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue to lay down those things uh, that would be a hindrance to going. God, I hope that people didn't hear this message as just a geographical move to go from one place to another, but you've called us out of sin. You've called us to reconciliation. You've called us to a, a life of greater discipline. Lord, however you've called this morning, we trust that your spirit has spoken personal conviction in the areas of life where people needed to hear it, and we pray that they would be obedient and faithful so that they could invest in the new thing that you're doing, that we could move away from the boring and mundane to be on the adventure that you've called us to, Lord. We thank you so much for life and breath and everything that you give. Protect these people as they leave this place. Help us to spread the gospel message, to bring others into church with us, and to come back safely to this place again next week. In Jesus' name,
5: amen.